0: Teresa Read: the show where we dish out tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. Now, if you're not sure what a mystical business owner is, here's what it is. If you work as a tarot card reader, astrologer, Reiki healer, intuitive counselor, oracle medium, or you know, any, if there's any kind of spiritual or mystical art as part of your profession, we're talking about you. My name is Teresa and my lovely co-host, Introduce Yourself.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Bree. So we've both been self-employed sacred artists running our own businesses for years. We know what goes into running a successful business. We know how much heart, grit, and hustle it takes to get your business afloat and keep things rocking along.
0: And Bree and I do the show together once a month because we totally love sharing business strategies that we've learned over the years. And our mission is to see our fellow mystics thrive and succeed. And in each episode of Topping, Talking Shop, we talk tackle, oh, I can say that. <laughs> it's like I'm tongue-tied here. <laughs> we tackle a different topic and we often feature a very special guest. So Bree, what are we talking about today? Who's coming on?
1: Oh, we are so excited about today's show. So our topic is how to deal with biz drama with grace and courage. And today's guest is the one and only Alexandra Franzen. This is actually Alexandra's second time on Talking Shop. That is how much we love her. And Alexandra has a new book out called You're Going to Survive, true stories about adversity, rejection, defeat, terrible losses, online trolls, one-star Yelp reviews, and other soul-crushing experiences and how to get through it. Welcome, Alexandra. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. I love both of you so, so, so much, and it's been far too long since I've seen your faces in real life, but this, uh, this podcast will have to do.
0: <laughs> it will, will make do. <laughs> yes, but,
1: but we feel the same way. We need an Alexandra Brie Teresa party.
0: Soon. Yes. With we'll cake. Make. Yes, this is our virtual party, and I promise if we are together in person, I will make that peanut butter chocolate icebox cake I've been bragging about behind the scenes. It sounds so good. It is. So speaking of good things, let's talk about your book for a minute. What, Alex, what inspired you to write You're Going to Survive? (laughs) Well... (laughs) uh,
2: what what inspired me was actually a, a pretty stressful experience that i had uh, a couple of years ago my boyfriend and i he's a chef and uh, he decided to open a restaurant and i decided to help him so for the first you know year or so it was really just the two of us running the show it was a very small little brunch restaurant in portland oregon where we live And, you know, anyone who's ever started their own business, which is basically everyone listening, I mean, you know how much sweat and hustle and and tears and sometimes blood literally (laughs) goes into creating your business. And, And we were working so, so, so hard to get things off the ground. And then a couple months after we opened our doors, we got our first very, very negative review from a customer. And it was... I mean, it it was really hard for me. I, I I don't know. Still to this day, I don't know why it affected me so intensely, but it really did. I, I was really shocked that my feelings were hurt. It was a very mean spirited review. You know, you really got the sense that whoever posted it just just really wanted to vent <laughs> all mm. of their feelings onto the internet and. And I was so worried about the future of our business. I mean, we were just starting out. Our, our business was like this little baby duckling. And I, I really felt like, God, other other customers are going to see this review on Yelp, and they're going to think that we're disgusting, and they're never going to come, and we're never going to have any business, and it's never going to work, and we're doomed. And I mean, my mind just really started spinning uh, out of control. I was so, so anxious about this negative review that we had gotten, even though it was just one, you know, it was. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And out of that experience, uh, a couple of things happened. One, I realized, okay, you know, my my mind is going nuts over this, and and I need some help. So I I reached out to a bunch of friends of mine, uh, including eventually Miss Teresa, and I I asked people to share with me, you know, have you ever been through a really – Discouraging or stressful experience in your career, and and what happened, and how did you get through it, and, and what did you learn, and, and what advice or words of encouragement you know can you share? And I reached out to a whole bunch of friends and colleagues, and everyone had a story. I mean, everyone had some some version of the one-star Yelp review story, and it was it was so comforting to realize, oh my God, you know, I'm not alone here. Everyone goes through ups and downs in their career, regardless of what career they've chosen. And, you know, we're all stronger than we think. We all are quite resilient. And we can get through these experiences, and we can handle them with grace. And it's not the end of the world. And and we can survive. So – basically a series of kind of conversations and emails turned into a little ebook that i wrote which then turned into a book proposal which then turned into a book deal which is now a book book and it's it's going to be coming out very very soon so that's kind of the the
0: preamble and the story of of how it all started mm. oh. Oh. And by amazing. the way, can I just butt in and say that I've eaten at that restaurant? Oh, yeah. We both
1: have. Yeah, you both have, and it is amazing.
0: I know, yeah. and I still kind of fantasize about those waffles and the ribs, so I just have to say that. It just shocks me that somebody would leave that kind of a, a mean review. But I have to say, you know, I, I don't tend to go to Yelp to look at things because I've known other mm-hmm. restaurant owners who've gotten really these unfair and vicious reviews over the stupidest things. So I just wanted to put yeah. that out there.
2: Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I think when, when you choose the path of entrepreneurship and when you decide, you know, I'm going to create my dream career, I want to do the, the work that calls to my heart, uh, you know, we really are, we're signing up for the good and we're signing up for the bad. You know, we're signing up for all of it when we make that decision. And that's, that's hard, you know, it's not fun. Of course, all of us only want to receive fan mail and five star reviews forever and ever. And but that's just not how the world works. You know, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we are just bound occasionally at some point or another, to encounter criticism, rejection, you know, some type of negative flack, or just some other stressful experience. It's, it's just life, you know, so it's, my my realization, especially in writing this book, is like it's not about, oh, how can I avoid ever getting rejected or criticized? It's more how can I develop, you know, inner emotional tools to deal with rejection and criticism more gracefully when it happens because it will happen.
0: It mm. sure will. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, why have the question that we had that I was going to ask was about, asking you about a difficult time in your business, which we just heard about one star Yelp Review, how ridiculous. But what I wanna ask you, since you you have had all of these conversations and you've written this book is do you find that there are ways of discerning helpful criticism or what my mother used to call constructive criticism mm-hmm. versus just, you know, just mean spirited like you're, you know, you're ticked off, you had a bad day, and, like, I'm for some reason in your line of fire, and so you have decided to unload on me and on my business. Like, do you make a distinction? Because I know that sometimes, you know, criticism can be helpful, but when you get it, it can be so devastating, and it's kind of hard to know. Like, is there anything here that I should look at objectively, or should I just, like, find a way to deal with this gracefully and move forward?
2: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. It's a great question. And I spoke to about 20 different people, uh, from all different walks of life and from all different professions to collect stories for this book. And what was interesting is that every single person kind of had their own perspective or their own way of dealing with with difficult experiences, including criticism. So some people said to me, you know, I don't don't read any reviews, positive or negative. I just don't even want to see it. It's not helpful to me. You know, I just do my own thing, and I I trust that I'm helping my clients and customers. So some people just don't read any of it. Um, Other people said to me, I read everything. I read the positive reviews. I read the negative reviews. um, But I take everything with a grain of salt, positive and negative. So I, you know, I don't take anything too seriously and I don't allow anything to overly inflate my ego or overly, you know, hurt me either. And then I had other people who told me that they use sort of what they call, uh one woman Maria Ross called it the pasta strainer method. So like when you're straining a boil, a a big pot of boiled pasta, you know, you're getting rid of the water that you don't need and you're keeping the noodles that you do need. So when she gets a piece of, of criticism or feedback, she tries to do like a pasta strainer on it. She tries to strain through it and ask herself, you know, very critically, like, okay is there is there anything in here that might be valuable or helpful for me to think about, and is there anything in here that just you know there's nothing I can do about it? I'm just not for them or it's just not relevant to me and she tries to kind of parse it out in that way, and that works for her um and I think also you know another woman in the book said that she she always thinks. To herself okay well what is this person's intention does this person who's giving me this criticism do they actually have my best interests at heart you know do they care about me do they love me where are they coming from as they're spouting these words if it's you know a friend who's deeply concerned or a client you've worked with for a long time who loves you well that gives that piece of criticism a very different Flavor than you know, some random person from the internet who found your ebook and just needs to you know expunge their pent up anger about their father or whatever. You know, so mm-hmm. not uh, not not all criticism is created equal, and we shouldn't give every piece of criticism equal weight in our minds.
0: Yeah. I totally agree totally. with that. Yeah. So you know, like any business, metaphysical workers deal with a fair amount of client drama yeah and so we'd like to get your thoughts on some of these situations yeah for example you know like a tarot reader often deals with a skeptical public so what is your advice on dealing with like a really unfriendly skeptic who wants to prove your fraud who wants to make everybody else think you're one too what's your advice about that ooh this
2: is a great question you know i think I think when it comes to, you know, dealing with a skeptic for example, I think the most important thing is to respond in a way where you are not being reactive and defensive and inflammatory. Or well, you're responding from a very just calm, you know, easygoing place. You want to channel your inner Obama. You want to channel your inner Dalai Lama. <laughs> and you want to just, you know, you, you can say, well, wow, that's really interesting that you feel that way. Or, you know, hey, you know, that's actually a common skepticism. And, and here's, my, here's my perspective on it. Or, you know, well, everyone's entitled to their opinions, but this is something that I really love that I've found great joy in in my life. So you want to respond with a tone that is very calm. You don't want to escalate the situation or seem reactive or defensive. And that is not easy to do, especially when inside you might be feeling really riled up or hurt or attacked. But that's so crucial. And I think if you can respond in that way, you know, you may not win them over. You may not, you know, make them believe what you believe, but you'll probably win their respect uh, and they will, you know, probably stop jabbing at you after that. Teresa, you've probably gone through this many times, and and Bree, too. What have you said or done in those situations?
0: Well, I have to tell you guys, first of all, um, I find humor works really great. When people come at me really negatively, you know, one of the things that – it depends, on, of course, where where I'm with the person. And so somebody, you know, comes up and says, you know, something really mean about astrology or tarot. I'm like, well, you know – You don't have to agree with this, but I'm sure we can all agree that the Packers are really sucking this year. So why don't we just agree on that? And, you know, something like that always tends to diffuse the situation. But the other thing is, if somebody comes at me with a really skeptical, negative attitude, I usually will say that, you know, if you're coming at it with this, it's probably best that we don't work together if they're coming at me to work with me. Mm -hmm. So that's usually how I deal with that. What about you, Bree?
1: Yes, you know, very very similar. Like I'm really friendly and I'm really warm and so if I'm if somebody is you know, I mean, if somebody's in my community or they're coming to work with me and they're you know, they're giving voice to their skepticism. I mean I I like skepticism, you know, I make room for that and I I want people to be skeptical and you know, I think in the online world, it's like i don't I don't want you to believe everything i I say. I want you to ask questions, and I like it when people ask questions. So I think that approach has diffused a lot of situations that could have gone in another direction, like being positive and saying that's a good question to ask. You know mm-hmm. people are sort of taken aback and they're like, oh, okay, so huh. You know, and and then interestingly, like m- more often than not, they want to work with me more, right? Or they mm-hmm. want to like follow up, and so there's that. And then if somebody comes and it's almost like usually this happens via email, and and it's almost like you know they're they're starting out with a really adversarial tone or a really adversarial position. I'll just tell them, you know. This is who I am. This is what I do. You know, Alex, when I started out, I followed a lot of your um, blog posts, and, you know, one of the things that you said early on that I think you still say is, you know, it's useful to have resources that you can point people to, so you don't have to explain yourself in, like, every email. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I have a very good about page, right? I have a very good um, description about what I am and, and who I am and what I do, and I'll send them there and I'm like, you know, this is, this is really what you're going to get. So if this sounds like a fit, great. And if not, best of luck. Right. Yeah. And, and just not taking it personally, I think, is huge. Like, just don't mm-hmm. make it about yourself because they're, they've whatever's going on is whatever's going on. And it's really not about you. Yeah. That's the other absolutely. thing. It's
0: not about you when people are coming at you with that kind of mindset. You know, often this has to do with something completely different. And it's very hard, again, not to take it personally when someone wants to treat you like you're a fraud or you suck or anything of that nature, but it usually has not a lot to do with you. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And, I mean, you guys, I'm sure, would both agree that, you know, as, as difficult as it can be sometimes to turn a client away, especially when you're like, ugh, I need the money, you know, I, I need every client I can possibly get, You, it's so, so good to
0: do this oh, sometimes, yes. because you know, mm-hmm. if,
2: you, if you wind up having a client in your life who is, you know, deeply negative, deeply skeptical, you know, really just kind of just difficult to work with, that's going to be such a drain on your energy. It's going to clog up your brain. You're going to be, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, worrying about them, thinking about it's going to take up so much space in your brain and it's just not worth it it's not worth the money that they're paying you whatever it is because it's hindering your quality of life in so many ways so yeah i mean i think there are certain situations where humor can help there are certain situations where you know as brie pointed out just being really positive and inquisitive and inviting skepticism can help and then there's other situations where you just have to be like you know what you know i don't think this is a fit (laughs) And, and direct them elsewhere Save yourself some drama. We want to avoid drama. Yeah,
1: and I'm sure that this is true for both of you, too. Like, I have never regretted turning away a client. Like, if there was a client that didn't fix, I'm like, $500, that was a cheap way to get out of that mistake. Or $200 or $60, like, whatever it is. It's like whatever money I didn't make, that was a really inexpensive way to not go there. So I will take it.
2: Absolutely. And particularly if you are, you know, running an online community, if you have a private Facebook group, if you're doing classes or retreats or workshops or or things where you're bringing lots of people together, you also need to protect your other clients from that from those bad vibes. Right. So you need to protect your other clients and and not invite Someone into the parties is going to kind of stink up the room right so it's mm-hmm. it's not just mm-hmm. about protecting you but about looking out for your other clients' enjoyment and well being uh, in working with you as well, so sometimes we have to be a little bit of a gatekeeper. I totally
0: yeah. agree with that
2: well, you know oh. this
1: begs nicely into the into the next question, so we talked about skeptics so now how how might you deal? With an unreasonable client, I can, Teresa wrote this, I know because she just had this happen
0: um for
1: example, a client who pulls a no show and then demands another session without payment <gasps> uh oh. oh, this is where this is where I get mad, and I have to call on my inner Obama,
2: yes, yes, <laughs> well. <laughs> You know, something that both you, Brie and Teresa, both do really, really well, is that both of you guys have very, very clear policies on your websites that you state very clearly in numerous places. You know, the the process for working with you is very clear. There's no confusion. You know, people know exactly, you know, when do I pay? What do I do? When is this happening? So a big, 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 big way to prevent drama later down the line, like a client wanting to reschedule or get a freebie or whatever, is to state your policies in advance. This will really protect you from about 99% of the drama. Uh, and I'm sure both of you have found that to be true because probably in the past maybe you didn't have super clear policies and then you created them over time. (laughs) Uh, and, (laughs) And I'm sure I'm sure it has prevented, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff from happening. So it's kind of like, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, you know. If you if you have preventative measures and policies stated clearly, you're going to avoid a lot of drama, in fact, almost all of it. And then if you do get the odd client who emails you and either, you know, didn't read or chose to ignore or has conveniently forgotten about your policies, then you can simply, you know, refer them back to the page on your website that outlines your policies and say, you know, actually, you know, I I don't offer uh, free sessions after people have canceled and that's stated in my policies, you'll probably remember, and then you can, you know, paste the, the policies into the email or link them back over to the page where it's all laid out and just sort of gently but firmly remind them of these policies that they've already seen. And then, I mean, they, there really should be no trouble at that point. If they push back after that, um, then, you know, this is a person who is just really deeply disrespectful, and uh, you obviously don't want to be working with
0: them anyway. Right on. It's, it, again, yeah. like you said, it's not worth it when people are unreasonable. It's just not. It's really not. Yeah, it's really,
2: really not. Have you guys ever recently had a client who, like, violated your policies or who – conveniently I forgot them
1: <laughs> I, t- I totally did I had somebody who was enrolled in one of my longer courses you know that is more of an economic investment and you know sent an email it was basically you know very angry wanted a refund um saying that they had had a problem that you know a hundred other people who had enrolled had not had so it was one very particular thing and I was yeah. very professional, very polite. You know, let me help you. Like, we're have whatever we need to do to fix this, let's do. Um, and I was happy to actually cancel the rest of their subscription, but they wanted a refund for work that they had already received from me. And I was like, absolutely not. And I was able to just refer them to my policies. And, you know, they weren't happy about it but it was also like you you know they knew that they couldn't they couldn't blow it bigger out of proportion because it is so clearly there in black and in white and and it also allowed me one of the things i noticed was it allowed me to be a little bit more objective about the whole thing it's mm-hmm. like well this has been spelled out like we've already covered this train this has been spelled out you agreed to this when you came on board, I'm actually doing you a favor by, by allowing you to, to, you know, renege on part of the agreement. Um, but I'm happy to do that because, again, like you said, I'm protecting my whole community. Um, mm-hmm. But so I wasn't really defensive, right? It was just very, like, logical, like, well, here it is. Like, we all know what we agreed to. So this is from her, this is the point from which we move forward. And that really helped a lot. What about you, T?
0: Oh, well, you know I have um oftentimes over the years I've had trouble with these no shows, and I have a lot of very strict policies in place and now I've been using this online scheduler, and the online scheduler is often awesome because it sends people reminders, but it also shows you when people open up those reminders so you know you got them <laughs> but anyhow I had, I had somebody who booked a session, and I'm all ready and sitting here, and I got everything all laid out. Um and by the way my policies are also in their emails when they confirm it tells them what the policy is. Hey, I need twenty four hour notice or your payments forfeited. And I have a strict policy about no shows, blah, blah, blah. So anyhow I'm sitting there and five minutes I'm waiting. So of course I get on the computer and quickly send the client a reminder, hey, it's already five minutes in. Please um give me a call, I'm waiting here. And then 10 more minutes goes by, I send them another one, and then, you know, a few more. And finally, the session, the time has expired. And about two hours later, they email me, and they want to reschedule immediately, and they expect that they're not going to pay because they said they prepaid. And I'm like, uh, that's not what the policy is, and here's the policy, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, anyhow, the person says, well, I don't want to wait as long as it's going to take to get a new session. I'll pay for a new one, but I'm not gonna wait that long and um, she basically wanted to wanted me to work on like the fly like that weekend, and I'm like, no, I couldn't, even if I could, I wouldn't because it just felt really um super aggressive and like just not respecting my policy at all, so I just yeah. had to be firm. I'd say no, yeah. mhm. I'm
2: glad you said no, yeah, that sounds like a situation where that person was obviously very, very anxious to work with you, made a mistake, and was just really disrespectful, you know, in demanding yeah. that you bend over backwards uh, to, to help them out when, when it was them who, who totally flaked and missed their appointment. Totally disrespectful. So yeah. I'm really glad that you held your ground on that one and did not cave.
0: And, you know, it's so, it's so hard because sometimes people, uh, when they blow you off for whatever reason, and they always have an excuse But they don't understand that when you are self-employed in any profession, it's like coming to work, working for an hour, and then having your boss say, well, I'm not paying you now. Yeah, That's what it feels like when someone does a Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, no-show. And if you have a family that you're supporting or whatever, I mean, we really depend on that income. So when someone does a no-show, what they're basically doing is making me work for free or I'm showing up to the job and I am not being paid. And that is that I was depending on for my family, that's a slot of time that I could have put somebody else in there. So I am hardcore about these no-shows because, again, if you're going to go to work and your boss tells you to work for free, are you going to say that's okay? No. Absolutely not. It would be a lawsuit, right? right. If if you
2: work for a company and your boss says, hey, show up at 9 a.m., we're having an important meeting, and and you show up at 9 a.m. and the conference room is empty, and then your boss waddles in an hour later and says, "Oh, actually, never mind. Meeting starts now. And and by the way, you're not getting paid for the hour you were sitting here." I mean, that would be—you'd go to HR, you would file, you know, paperwork. You'd be furious. It'd be ridiculous. And yet, that's how so many service providers are treated, which is so unfair and so unfortunate. But yeah, I think the way that we we can fix this is by doing exactly what you did, Teresa. It's by having clear policies. Spelled out in advance, nothing vague. Remind people of these policies. Show, make sure they see them before they spend a single dime, uh, and then enforce those policies. You know, don't be wobbly about it. Really stand firm uh, when they try to to break to bend the rules, so that you can teach people how to treat you.
0: I think this is so important.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, you know, it, it it really is about that, and I think. Uh, is also important, too, to make sure those policies, when you do a confirmation with your client for the session, that those policies are still spelled out, just in case they get the bright idea to try to pull a charge back right. when they goof up, mm-hmm. because if you have all those policies spelled out, then all you need to do is say, hey, PayPal, look, this is the policies, which means they agree to this, and you will win your charge back every time in those rare cases where people feel compelled to do that. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. so you know let's talk another thing about client boundaries so you know what would be your advice for the client who you know like maybe they get a reading or a session from you and I, i'm sure as a self-employed person everybody's had this right but then the client wants additional stuff for and they're really being a pain Mm -hmm. in the ass like a carol person wants endless clarifying questions or they pretend to be confused so they can extend that reading to the point where what should be a 15-minute session turns into an hour or more and you know i don't know if you've ever had people like that alex who've really tried to extend the quote-unquote get their money's worth with you how do you deal with something like that Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it it all circles back to, again,
2: having systems and policies that you've figured out in advance. So, for example, you know, if you do tarot readings and you know that a lot of times your clients have a follow-up question or have another question or something comes up a week later or whatever, you can plan for that in advance, right? You can say to your clients, hey, our, our initial reading is 30 minutes. It's exactly 30 minutes. If you want to buy additional time, here's where to do that. If you want to book another session for six months from now, here's where to do that. If you have five follow-up questions you want to ask via email, that's 100 bucks and here's where you can do that. So, you know, kind of anticipating what may come up or what has come up in the past and then creating some systems in place to handle it. Uh, And then also, you know, much like Teresa demonstrated a moment ago, really holding firm. So when you get that email, you know, from the client who says, oh, just one more thing, just one more question, that's when you have to really hold your ground and email back and say, wow, what a great question. Um, But, you know, as I I mentioned before, if you want to ask some follow-up questions, you can totally do that, but you'll need to purchase some additional time, you know, and here's where to do that. So you want to respond, you know, politely and enthusiastically, but while still directing them towards where they need to go. And you really have to do that. I mean, you have to, you have to hold firm. It it comes down to that, and it's so hard because sometimes we worry, oh, they'll think I'm mean, or they'll think I'm a bitch, or they'll complain about me, and we have these anxieties, but we just have to hold firm because otherwise, I mean, you're not running a business, you're running like a, a crazy volunteer (laughs) and uh and you're you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to make a living doing what you love and that's that's not what we want so it's up to you to draw the line in the sand and then really enforce it great advice
1: absolutely absolutely and i think it's important you know what you said earlier alex about teaching people how to treat you that that's really what this is about because you know a lot of people In our field, mystical entrepreneurs, sacred artists, like, they're such helpers, and they really want to help, right? Like, we're doing it because we love to help. We love to, like, make your day a little bit better, Um, and so it is so easy to waffle on the boundaries that we set, And but I think that if we can keep in mind, like, well, this is educational. Like, I am teaching my people how to treat me, which also hopefully teaches people how they in turn want to be treated, then I think it it helps us, you know, work our way to it in in more of a disciplined manner.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think we all have to teach people how we want to be treated, and we have to lead by example, right? And we can all get a little better at this. And this means it's everything from if a friend texts you and invites you to go for a walk or grab a dinner together, you know, don't cancel at the last moment. Show up and be there. Be the person who shows up. And, you know, if someone is offering a service, don't try to haggle or barter. Pay what they're asking for. Just pay it like a normal person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, you know, and and treat others the way that you want to be treated. Show up for the commitments that you've made. Pay full price. Don't try to squeak out extra work for free. I mean, we all need to lead by example in this way. And to uh, this is the, this is how we will create a revolution in the business world, in the small business world, is by each of us leading by example. And uh, I mean, it's. <laughs> I'll never forget. I had this experience that I'm still ashamed about so many years ago. Uh, many many years ago, I made a deposit to attend a retreat, and about a month before it was scheduled to happen, I was doing that thing that so many of us do of like, oh well, you know, I have a really busy month coming up, and I haven't booked my flights yet, and ooh, the flights are really expensive, and I don't know, maybe it's not the right time, and this and that, and I emailed the organizer of the retreat, and I I said, you know, hey, is there any way I could reschedule and maybe come to? another retreat in the future. And she said to me, you know, very honestly, she was like, you know, uh, yes, you can. However, there's an additional charge to change into another retreat because it's an inconvenience for me and because now I'll need to fill your spot for this and that. And I mean, she she very politely but very firmly explained to me, you know, you're kind of being a douche right now. <laughs> and <laughs> and It it really was a wake up moment for me where I realized like, oh, you know, when I decide to make a last minute change or to flake out or not show up or whatever, my choices have consequences, you know, for other people. And for myself, at the end of the day, you know, I'm really inconveniencing someone now. And that's not the person I want to be. So, I mean, after that experience, I really thought much more carefully before I canceled dates or before I signed up for things, if I wasn't sure I could really make it. I'm I'm glad that she really enforced her policies for me because it was an important wake-up moment for me as a human being. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that.
1: I love that. So, Speaking of leading by example, which I think you're absolutely right about, you wrote a piece on your website recently called The Internet Pledge. So can you tell us a little bit about this and where this came from? And also maybe talk about how mystical business owners might want to consider conducting themselves on the Internet. I think this is such a
2: huge topic right now. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, I uh, I wrote this piece that I called the Internet Pledge, which is on my website, and it's basically just a list of you know common sense <laughs> principles for how we can communicate and be with each other online. So, I mean, and I use common sense because there's really nothing. Uh, you know, there's nothing wild uh, that I state on the Internet Pledge. It's really basic stuff like, you know, think before you post a really mean-spirited review about someone's business. Think about how those words might impact them and, and think about if there's maybe a different way or a better way that you could express your frustration if something hasn't gone right. And, you know, think before you type words into a comment box on the internet or into a customer service form because eventually those words are going to reach another human being and they're going to impact someone's day and this is something we forget a lot you know we we see an empty box on the internet and we just start venting and we forget that you know these words they, they don't just disappear they eventually reach you know, Mike from customer service in Boise, Idaho, or whatever. They're they're going to reach a person, and you're going to be impacting that person's day for better or for worse. So, the Internet Pledge is really just a list of of principles that that I am am trying to uphold and follow, uh, ways that I want to be treated, and and behavior that I would like to model for others. and I wrote this because i mean i've been i've been self employed now about eight years i've been I've been writing and been sharing my work online for about ten or twelve years and i've seen so much beauty on the internet and i've seen so much incredible artwork and wonderful businesses spring up and all of these things and i've also seen so much ugliness and and so much just kind of snark and and really really mean spirited judgmental commentary as well and I just want to see less of that I feel like it's it's Mm. so exhausting and it's so unnecessary we don't have to treat each other this way so I wrote this pledge you know to sort of outline again you know how I want to behave the pledge
0: that I'm making and that others perhaps can take as well well I thought it was a brilliant piece and, you know, I, I have my moments, I'll say, I'll admit, I I can be sarcastic, you guys. I don't know if you know that about me. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and, you know, every once in a while I'll put something out there, and later on I'll think, what the hell was I thinking when I had to say that? Why did I feel compelled yes. to say that, you know? Why do I have to be a smartass, you know? <laughs> so it, 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 I just think the Internet Pledge is really great because um, it does – Make us think maybe before we do this, no matter how funny we think we're being, you know, somebody might get hurt or offended. Why? Why do we need to put that out there? It doesn't need to be out there.
2: Absolutely. I mean, there is enough horror and violence and negativity in the world without us adding to it with snarky comments. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, we... uh, There's enough already. We don't need to add to the negativity in the world. We should add to the love in the world and add to the compassion in the world and be adders, not subtractors, right? So, yeah, we all have opportunities to do this, and we all have ways where we can get better. Um, I mean, I was realizing as I was writing the Internet Pledge, you know, I am I am far from perfect. I am no angel. Uh I have a a bad habit sometimes of swinging over to those websites where they post the photos of the celebrities and what they're wearing and who wore it best and who's dating who and this and that and and that's not really the person that I want to be, you know. I I don't I don't actually want to support those kinds of websites by clicking over and and having a moment of of, you know, entertainment. So that's something that I'm pledging to stop doing because it's it's just not you know celebrities are people too, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and i don't want I don't want to be part of a culture that is that is tearing people down um so yeah, we all have areas in our lives where we can really look honestly at ourselves and go, you know, do I really need to say that? Is that the right way to say that? Do I really need to do that? uh what kind of person and role model do I want to be as an entrepreneur but but also as a human
0: being, and then just do it right, and we don't need to put out. You know, the hate, when we can all be busy maybe loving Tom Hardy. That's what I aspire to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd rather admire that. Uh-huh. So speaking of the Internet, though, you know, let's talk about that negativity. What are your thoughts on dealing with online trolls when they show up on your your blog or, or they send you that mean email or they're harassing you on your Facebook page or talking smack about you in some place? how do you deal with online trolls
2: um you know (laughs) i would for me i'll just share what i do personally you know i i just try to minimize my exposure as much as possible just for my mental health right so i don't have comments on my blog anymore i deactivated the comments a long time ago i i just don't want them you know i want to share what i want to share and i want to post my piece and and let it be I don't actually want to see a lot of commentary about it people can feel what they feel and do what they do but I don't need to necessarily see a whole thread right so i removed that if I on the rare occasions when I get a really 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 negative or nasty email which which doesn't happen often but when it does uh, I usually just delete it you know it's, it's usually not worth my time to engage uh, because this person is, I mean, who knows why they felt the need to to vent at me, but obviously something really troubling is going on in their lives that prompted them to do that, and it's it usually has nothing to do with me directly, so I just choose not to engage and delete, archive, buy, it goes away. Um, similarly, you know, I, I still do check reviews from time to time uh, for the restaurant that my boyfriend and I started together all those years ago and for my books and whatnot, but I, I don't check them every day. I don't check them every week. I, I really, really try to set limits for myself so that I don't obsess over uh, negative commentary when it does come up. I try to to have some balance and have some space and, you know, maybe check in from time to time, but but not be sort of obsessively tracking every review that gets posted because that just doesn't feel healthy to me. Um You know, occasionally, I I can think of of one experience where I I got a very negative email from someone who was unsubscribing from my newsletter. And in this particular instance, my intuition just told me to respond. And my boyfriend said, don't respond, just delete it, you know, it's not going to help. But something in my gut said, you know, this time, I think I will respond. And I did. And I, I emailed her back. And I I expressed, you know, I'm I'm sorry that you're not enjoying my newsletter, and it's no problem. If you want to unsubscribe, that's no worries at all, and I, I wish you all the best. And, you know, just a very polite sort of farewell note, and she actually wrote back. And she wrote back, and she said, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. I don't know why I wrote all those things. I put it into the box. I didn't even think you would read what I said. I never thought you would actually see it. So in other words, you know, she had written this really nasty message uh, on my website that was going to me and it never occurred to her that I would actually see it, <laughs> which uh-huh. is which is the perfect example of of how sometimes we we you know, we type things online and it, we, it doesn't occur to us, oh, yeah, this is actually going to reach a human being at some point. So anyway, she and I actually ended up exchanging several emails back and forth, and by the end of that, it was very positive email exchange. By the end of it, she said to me, you know, thank you for emailing me, and she said, you know, you've really given me a lot to think about, and I'm going to think more carefully about what I write online because, you know, I, I realize now that... I I was just venting, and I was having a bad day, and I took it out on you, and that wasn't fair. Mm -hmm. So in in that instance, we were actually able to have a positive discussion, and we had a positive culmination, which was really beautiful. Um, And I'm glad that I followed my instinct and that I reached out to her because it was a a beautiful kind of teachable moment for for both of us. Unfortunately, I will say that I think those experiences are kind of in the minority. That's the exception rather than the rule. Um, 95% of the time I choose just not to engage rather than start a dialogue back and forth because 95% of the time I just don't think it's a
0: productive, helpful thing to do. What about you guys? Oh, I'm I'm with you on the not responding. And by the way, I took comments off my website quite a while ago too um, not because I was getting a lot of like negative stuff but occasionally I had people bringing their other weird agendas onto it like uh-huh. people uh-huh. using it to try uh-huh. to like direct people to their site as a marketing strategy which was very strange Yeah. Um, and you know once in a while I would get somebody negative on there too and I just, I, I, I just got rid of it and for me I just don't deal if someone's going to be negative if you're going to speak to me with disrespect my thing is, then I'm done listening. I'm not going to listen to that. It's just yeah. not not how I want to be treated. Uh, being talked to respectfully is very important to me. I try to do it with others, so I tend to ignore that kind of stuff. I'm just uh, delete, block, bye. Delete, block, bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great, mm-hmm.
1: great policy.
0: <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah. What about you, Bree? Yeah. Well,
1: you know, very, very similar, right? Like, I haven't had comments on my blog in, like, I don't even know how long, you know, probably as long as I've had a blog. I think I had comments open for six months, and then I was like, oh, hey, I can close this down. This is great. Um, I didn't I didn't even like the way that comments looked, you know? I'm very much like, as Alex said, I just want to put out what I have to put out. Yep. It's there. You can take it. You can leave it. You can like it. You can not like it. What, whatever. But I don't need to see the process of working through all of that. Um, and and as far as, you know, the, that kind of like a negative uh, take as, you know, to my work or to something that I say or to something that I write, most of the time I just absolutely leave it. You know, I delete it and I just move forward because the same thing. And You know, what I learned when I had a brick and mortar business was that if someone is going out of their way just to, like, try to make you feel bad, they probably don't have anything useful for you as far as critique goes. Now, if somebody Mm -hmm. says, like, hey, you know, I noticed that sometimes my clients actually will email me and they're like, hey, there's a typo on this page. And I'm like, you guys rock. You know, like, thank you so much. And I will go and fix it. But but you know, if somebody is just kind of venting, then it's pretty clear to me that, that they, they, something is going on with them that again has nothing to do with me. And so let's just move on and let them go on their merry way. Every now and then, um, I too will engage. And I've had a very similar situation that you have, Alex, where you know the couple of times I have, it, it, there was something going on and that person actually needed to talk through something mm-hmm. and they didn't see the avenue to make that happen. And so it was, it, you know, it, it was, again, it was a teachable moment for both of us and, um, and it ended really well. You know, sometimes you can just see underneath the anger, like there's sadness or there's grief or there is a, a cry for help. And, and yeah. so if you see that, like, it's up to you to decide if you want if you want to take that on or not. I don't think when people come at you, you ever have an obligation to take those things on. But if you hear that, then you can engage. But again, like, you need to be good. You need to be diplomatic, and you really need to, like, know how to hold your line um, if you do that. And, you know, with um, with online stuff, like with social media, I think it's a little tricky. You know, there's been – there's definitely been an uptick in calling people out
0: on I hate that. Media. Can I just say this really before you go on? I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so much. Yeah. I think yeah. It's, uh, that, I mean, I understand sometimes, you know, maybe some people need to be brought out into public to say, hey, this isn't right. You shouldn't be doing these things. But sometimes I watch people do that. I'm like, this is so mean. You are publicly humiliating somebody. For yeah. what? And sometimes it's over the stupidest stuff. Yeah. yeah so I just absolutely. had to, in to yeah. say that. Hate it. No, you know, I agree.
2: I, I agree, too. I, I think we are, I mean, my sense is that we are living in a time in history where tensions are high, stress is high, violence is everywhere. Everyone's kind of just on edge, you know, uh, yeah, like yeah. like ready to explode. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there who do not know how to manage their emotions in a healthy way, right? So they, they let it bottle up, they let it fester inside. And instead of, you know, going for a walk or meditating or punching a punching bag or whatever, where does it go? It goes onto Facebook. It goes onto Instagram. And they just sort of vent in a really thoughtless, careless way. And it's really unfortunate when you're caught in the crossfire of, of someone else's bad day, Uh, But it it happens, and I think that, you know, all we can do is each of us individually try to be better and try to lead by example. Mm and not participate in that, uh, or when you see it happening, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for you to be a hero rather than a passive bystander, right? So you can be the one who chimes in if you want on Instagram in the comments or whatever and say, hey, you know, there's really no need for you to post something like that. You know, that's really rude. And and you can maybe call out the call-outers. <laughs> that may just escalate mm-hmm. the situation even more. But it can also be really powerful for the person who's being attacked to see, you know, oh, thank God, at least there's one person who's standing up for me, and it, and it's there's one person in the sea of, of villagers with their flaming pitchforks who is who is sane and compassionate, <laughs> and that might be really helpful for them to see and make them feel less less alone in the experience. So, something to think that about. Seems. But yeah, mm-hmm. You're
1: right about that.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I actually have a quick story about that. There was a a guy I interviewed for the book. Uh, He, At the very last moment, he decided he didn't want to have his story included in the book with his name attached to it, which I totally understand, so I won't mention his name now either. Uh, But he he had an experience where he got bullied online. He got horribly Hmm. bullied, and what happened was that someone took a photo of him uh, while he was at the airport without his consent and without his knowledge, and it was just kind of a photo that wasn't particularly flattering. And they posted it online and, and basically turned it into a meme uh, with a funny caption or what they thought was funny. And before he knew it, this meme was circulating all over the Internet. He was being you know, mocked on all of these popular websites, thousands and thousands of comments, people laughing at him, saying how stupid he looked, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's like everyone's worst nightmare, right? Like you wake up and the mm. entire wor- world is, is laughing at you. And what he said was that, you know, he, for a little while, he was kind of pouring through the comments and, and so many of the comments were so vile and so negative and so hurtful. But every now and then there would be one person in the comments who would chime chime in and pipe up and say, you know, hey, you guys, this is this is really mean. Like, what are you doing? This This guy didn't even know his photo was being taken. So every now and then there would be sort of like, one sane person amidst the noise. And he said that seeing just those couple of kind uh, comments amidst the noise made such a difference for him. It really gave him like a sense of peace <laughs> knowing that at least there are a few people out there who are not awful <laughs> and who are who are kind and compassionate and who care and those handful of positive comments made such a difference for him. So there's a lesson to be learned here, right? You know, you you can be that person. You can be the one amongst the hundred who chimes in to say, you know, hey, this isn't right, and that can make such a difference. Mm. I love
0: that. That is so true.
2: So, you know, since we started with a
1: discussion about a bad Yelp review, um, I think it is appropriate to end with a question about that, so I've I've been there too, Alex. I had a brick and mortar shot, as you know, in San Francisco, and we had waves yeah. of beautiful reviews, but I was forever angry about the one negative review. <laughs> <laughs> like, the one, yeah, the one you have all all of the good reviews and just the one negative review. Oh. um yep. So, what is your advice for somebody who gets? a crap review on one of the sites like Yelp or, you know, now there are so many, like what, how do you, how do you handle that? How do
2: you recover? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, every situation is a little bit different and we have to look at each review with as much, you know, kind of an objective viewpoint as we can. So, you know, if with the restaurant, for example, if someone posts a review and says, Hey, you know, the food was delicious, but my food came out cold. Well, okay, that that's obviously something we can fix, right? That's a systems issue. Uh, we need to get the plates out faster. That's something that we can improve. And so that piece of re- that review, even though it's negative, is constructive. It's something that we can actually do something about. Now, if someone posts a review and says, "I'm diabetic. There was nothing on the menu for diabetics, and you know, therefore, I hate this place." Well, you know, okay, like I'm I'm sorry you feel that way. However, we're not marketing ourselves as brunch for people struggling with diabetes. Like you know it's that's that's an example of someone who <laughs> just sort of in the wrong place you know this isn't the restaurant for you unfortunately and there's we're not going to change our restaurant because of this one review it's it's just it is what it is and we're not for everyone and, and that's okay right so we have to really look at each review uh, through that lens of is there anything here that I can learn from is there anything that I can improve or is this just a situation of someone having a bad day or someone just having a feeling that you know at the end of the day uh, I'm sorry, but there, there's not really anything I can change to make you happier. So, it, and it's hard to do. And I think sometimes we need to take a little time away, and we need to take a walk or do a yoga class, and and not read that review or think about that review when you're sort of riled up and emotional about it. But to get a little distance, so that you can look at it from a calmer frame of mind and see if there's anything valuable that could be extracted and i think the the longer we go along with our businesses the easier this becomes because you you just get it's kind of like exposure therapy right you you get you go through it numerous times and and then it feels sort of normal rather than this like awful life ending situation so exposure practice perspective all of these things can really help and sometimes a glass of wine at the end of the day
1: to, to let it all go Do you ever think it's a good idea? This is something that I've seen people really contest. Do you ever think it's a good idea to reach out to someone who's given you a bad review on a forum like Yelp and try to change their mind?
2: Hmm, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think you're going to change their mind. You know, they, they had the experience that they had and that's that. It's in the past. But, you know, I have seen instances where uh, it was actually, I, I saw fairly recently, I was looking at a, a Yelp for a spa, and there was someone who had posted a really, really negative review about, you know, some facial or whatever service they got, and uh, their their skin had reacted, they'd gotten like hives or something like that, you know, they were like freaking <laughs> out, and the, um, and the owner of the spa posted a response, a public response, and she basically said the the truth of what had really happened which is you know dear angelica or whatever when you came into the spa, you know, I advised you that this service probably wouldn't be good for your skin because your skin was already very sensitive and this and that and the other, but you told me that you really wanted it, so we did it, and, you know, that's why your eyes are swollen shut or whatever, but she, she basically, like, laid out, you know, the the story of what had happened, and she did it in a very calm way, you know, she wasn't being defensive or reactionary, but she just sort of stated the facts, of what had really gone down and seeing that I felt a lot of respect for her because she, you know, the spa owner that I don't even know because she really handled it as gracefully as possible uh, while defending herself and explaining the truth of what had happened, but in a way that was not defensive, if that makes sense. So, yeah, you know, I think there can be opportunities to chime in and and add your side of the story. But again, you always want to be writing or posting from a calm place right? You don't want to write this and post it when you're angry. You want to sleep on it, rest, uh, really gather your thoughts, and then post as calmly and gracefully as you can, uh, channeling your inner Dalai Lama, channeling your inner Mr. Rogers, your inner Mother Teresa, while you write that statement. Mm. So,
1: so good, Alex. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Yes, absolutely love you. We love We love to have you. So that wraps up this episode of Talking Shot. Teresa, what was your biggest takeaway from this episode?
0: My, well, I want to talk about my favorite takeaway. My favorite takeaway, Alex, is the whole thing about setting the example by, you know, treating your service providers respectfully by being online and being kind and, you know, not being that difficult client not being that mean person. I love the idea of setting the example because I think when we set the bar, uh we help to raise the vibration for our industry and just for people everywhere. So I love that. I think that's so brilliant. What about you, Bree? What's your biggest takeaway or favorite nugget for, or or anything that we talked about today?
1: Mine is the same. Mine's the same as yours. I I think that that- gets to all of it you know if you i mean remembering about boundaries that boundaries are really about teaching other people how to treat you is huge i think um but setting the example really is that it's at the crux of all of these issues right because if you comport yourself in a manner that is kind and thoughtful and curious and, and, you know, enthusiastic and loving the work that you do and the people you get to do it for, then I really think that you reflect that. And, and you know, my experience at least, and I've been very fortunate and very blessed, but my experience is that most of the people who come to you as clients, as colleagues, as your community members, they reflect it back to you as well. So I think that there's a, you know, I, I think that, we we all learn by imitation, and I think if we can create really good examples, like, we draw more of that to us. And I think that's very powerful in a time where so many interactions are not face-to-face, and it is so easy to take the low road. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, this was such a great chat, you guys, and I, I so agree. We have to lead by example. We have to take an honest look at our own communication policies and our behavior and ask, you know, how could I be just a little less of a dick and a little better <laughs> human being so that I can, as you put it, Teresa, you know, really raise the bar and raise the vibration for the whole industry, for the whole world. It, it happens one person at a time, and it starts with us. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So towards the end of each episode, we like to share a few fun tidbits, like books that we've been reading lately or blogs that we're obsessed with, our favorite songs, TV shows, food, stuff like that. So just some fun stuff that we think you, I know, exactly, right? Our listeners might enjoy discovering. Sometimes we share business-related recommendations and sometimes not. Because you know you can't just do business twenty four seven. Yeah. So I'm going to ask right, I'm going to ask um, Alex first, actually. Alex, what have you been digging lately? What have you been into, girl?
2: Oh my gosh! I love this question. <laughs> uh, okay. So I am obsessed with these little cookies from the Netherlands called stroopwafels. Do you guys know about these? Yes, yeah. Yes. They're, yes, so, they're good. so good. Okay. <laughs> Get your, get yourself on Amazon, order yourself a box of Stroop waffles. I recommend the classic caramel, but if you want to get the chocolate ones, that's cool too. Then you like can dip them in your coffee or your tea or whatever. It's my favorite little treat. There are these little wafers that have kind of like a chewy caramel in the middle. And I have one almost every single day and it is just my little happy moment. So I recommend Stroop waffles. <laughs> For all of you. And then, you know, this year, uh, I have just been totally crushing on David Blaine, the magician. And I've watched all of David Blaine's videos. I went to go see him perform live, which was incredible. I think he is just the coolest person, certainly as an illusionist and as a magician and as an entertainer. But also as a human being, he's really deep and he has a lot of really powerful things to share and say about, you know, the limits of the human mind and how really we're all capable of so much more than we think. And how, you know, just because someone says something is impossible, that doesn't mean it's true. Uh, And he's just so fascinating. So I, I would recommend if anyone is into that sort of thing, go see his live show if you possibly can. It's incredible and uh, read his books and, and watch David Blaine's videos and just geek out. He's awesome. His TED Talk is amazing, too. Watch that.
1: Ooh, I like it. You,
2: know,
0: you know, know, I always like want us? to go behind the scenes you? and see how they do those tricks, so you know that. I
2: know, I know. It's, it's <laughs> You just you can't even believe I mean, some of the things he did, my jaw was just hanging open. I, I, I can't stop thinking about it. It's amazing.
1: I love it. What about you, Miss T? What are you, what are you into right now? Your, your icebox cake, obviously, is one. Of <laughs> Besides
0: the icebox cake, I'm obsessed with the Black Power Tarot. Uh, this is something I had my eyes on for a while, and it was, it's a deck designed by King Khan, and it's based on the Tarot de Marseille of Alejandro Hodorowski, who I absolutely love and admire. And I had eyed that online for a long time, but, you know, I didn't buy it because I'm trying to be a deck minimalist. And then I was at Ritual Craft, this really cool shop in Denver, Colorado. Oh, my God. Bree, you'd go nuts. Alex, you'd love it, too. (laughs) It's just so stylistic. It's so cool. Well, anyhow, they have the copy in the flesh. So I thought, ooh, now I get to see it in person. And in person, it's just really high quality. It's awesome. Uh, it's got Tupac Shakur in it you know I couldn't resist it then it felt great in my hand, so I bought the deck so my obsession right now is this Black Power Tarot I love it I think everybody should own a copy of this deck and I'm also obsessed with Denver and Boulder Colorado you guys we were out there (laughs) and we had just a blast Uh, we were able to you know eat a lot of cool food there's some great shops out there in Denver called Soul House, which has great men's clothes, and we were at uh, Pandora on the Hill, and I taught a little workshop there at uh, Trunk Nouveau, which is such a fabulous shop. You know, so Denver and, and Boulder really was my jam, and the other thing is, you know, they have that legal weed, and I don't do weed at all. I'm not <laughs> into it, so I just want to say that. I am not into I'm a total teetotaler when it comes to all this stuff, but it got me thinking, boy, with the way I like to make like peanut butter pies and stuff like that, in my next in my next life, I'm going to be a weed chef.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you I'm, would be so you'd be, good. You'd be, you'd be very so popular. <laughs> oh, my God, a peanut butter
0: pie with some, I'm telling you, people would go nuts over it. So that's those are my little obsessions. I love Denver. I love Boulder. I love all those shops. And I love this Black Power Tarot. What about you, Bree? What are you into now? Mm,
1: what am I, well, right now I'm reading Hero Boga's new book. <laughs> oh, my God, Digital. it's so good. I know. We all love Hero. She is so awesome, and her book is great, and you can get it on Amazon. And I highly recommend it, and it's nice because it's very brief, succinct, to the point, um, which is great for this time of year, right, when we're all so busy yeah. and we're running – to a million different places. Um, so that is my first thing. I'm really, really enjoying it. So glad that I snagged my coffee and I'm protecting it from all the greedy hands in my household. And the second thing I'm into is, you know, Christmas is coming and I have a six-year-old, so that means that there's toy purchasing happening. And I just found color forms on Amazon. I don't know if you guys know what they are, yeah. but they were created in the what the, the late 50s, I think early 60s, my two graphic design um, art students, and they are so cool. And they're just abstract, basically vinyl stickers that are reusable, abstract, and you can create whatever kinds of designs you want with them. And my little boy, my little Pisces boy, is such an incredible artist, and so this is going to be one of his under the tree and I just hope that I don't steal it from him because they're really really awesome Awesome. I love those things yeah (laughs) so cool (laughs) they are so last but not least a few announcements from everyone Alex is there anything that you want to share and will you let people know where they can find you and what do they need to do to get your awesome new book I've already yeah
2: Aw, thank you. That means so much to me. Um, The book is called You're Going to Survive and it's a collection of true stories and advice about how to deal with difficult stuff in your life and career. You can find it online. Uh, You can pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, IndieBound, all the usual places. And of course, you can go to your local bookstore and. Uh December 15th is the date when it will be available in bookstores, so just before the holidays. And it has a bright orange cover. You can spot it across the room, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> and I hope you'll check it out. I hope you enjoy it. And you can find me online at alexandrafranzen.com. And I've got articles there and, and free resources and a newsletter and all kinds of fun stuff. So come hang if you like. What and
0: about
1: y- you, y- breathe What's coming up? I agree. Um, what is coming up? Okay, this is what's coming up. I had to think about it for a minute. So lunar light, the year of lunar light candles, which is basically one candle lit on the full moon every month for 12 months, that is open. It opens this time every year. It closes on December 17th. January 1st is a full moon. So I am super excited about 2018 because we start with a full moon. So I just think that's like the best thing ever. And the Banish and Burn Ceremony is $13. I do it at the end of the year. I've been doing it for now five years. Anything that you want to release and leave in 2017 as we go into 2018, this is the time to do it. This is the ceremony to do it. So those are the oh my things I've got happening Three. I I
2: need it. I need the the burn one. (laughs) Please do, please do.
1: So many of us so many of us feel that way. So like right this year, like so many of us are like, There are so many things I would like to put into the fire and not carry into twenty (laughs) eighteen.
2: Get the the fire department on speed dial because you 'cause you're gonna have like a bonfire going. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's
1: right. Well, you know, I'm in I'm in Texas, so it's okay. It's New Year's okay. they're like, Good. Oh yes, it's another bonfire. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. So those are the two things. And then other than that, I am writing my tail off. I have two huge announcements that I can't make yet and it's just killing me. But I just I have to keep them under wraps, so I am that's what's happening. What about you, Teresa? What are you up to?
0: Well, my stuff is kind of under wraps too. I will say this. <laughs> because, you know, I've all I always got to be very scorpionic about this stuff. I know you do. I know you um, do. I will have another podcast coming out soon. I'm not going to say any more about it. It's coming soon. And I also have something very special that I'm dropping on December 31st that I've been working on for about a year, and it's coming. And, you know, if you are an entrepreneur, if you are uh, mystically minded, you're probably going to want to keep an eye on what I'm about to do it's going to be awesome
2: Yes. yeah i know i kind of know what it is and it is i know amazing what it, I
0: know what is. <laughs> everyone yeah, paying
1: attention <laughs> <laughs> i agree
0: yay it's going to be great so but that's all i'm going to say for now i got to keep you know how i am i've got to keep some things a little on the down low just because that's how i roll so anyhow, we've got to get going, and before we sign off, a very happy reminder. If you love Talking Shop, don't forget that you can listen to all of the previous shows for free by visiting the Talking Shop archives. Yay! You just go to theterralady.com, go to the tab called Free Resources, and hop on down to Talking Shop under Podcasts. You'll find all that jazz there. Free where can they find this on your site? And basically,
1: same deal, you guys. Go to com. You'll see a tab that says Books and Resources. Click on that, and you'll go to a page that has both the upcoming Talking Shop show and all of the archives for the show.
0: So, you know, um, and also just another reminder, if you do enjoy the show and find it useful, uh, please take a moment to leave a little review on um itunes let people know that you like it what you like about it that way more metaphysical business people are going to find their way to talking shop and get the help that we're trying to provide here so that's it we're going to wrap up this episode and i want to thank you alex for spending some time with us thank you so much
2: it was so much fun thanks for having me i just want to talk to you guys all day forever and ever and eat cake and be merry
0: (laughs) yes absolutely i i So, everybody, until, until next time, you can find me, Teresa, at com And, Brie, where can they find you? You
1: can you can all find me at com. Thank you so much, Alex, for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. Have a great rest of your day. And keep taking action to build the mystical business of your dreams. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.